a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Ryan Meeks, and after years of trying to make life work as a struggling artist, independent filmmaker, and musician, I thought to myself, hey, self, wouldn't it be helpful to ask other artists how they're finding their path in this world? And so now, that's exactly what I'm doing on a bi-weekly basis. Welcome to the Path of Art. Okay, welcome to the Path of Art. I'm Ryan Meeks, and today we have Brett Wagner on the show. And Brett Wagner, he's uh, known for many of his uh, roles uh, in uh, some horror films, specifically Leatherface from the Chainsaw Massacre film. Welcome to the show, Brett. Thank you, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well. What role do your fans recognize you the most from? Well, as of late, it's been um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre because I have I have the first kill in the movie. So a lot of the fans will call me the, the lost Leatherface from the 2003 remake. I did the first kill in the movie. I then got heat stroke and got hurt and they didn't have time to wait for me to heal up. So they replaced me. But I've been oh, the voice wow. of Monster Garage on Discovery Channel and fill-in host for 20 years. Uh, I did a nice big movie, the the, the horror movie, The Crazies, Nickelodeon, mm-hmm. Gun, uh, Sons of Anarchy. I mean, and for 30 years I've been acting. So, but a lot of the a lot of the you know Monster Garage, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Sons of Anarchy. That stuff is uh, obviously uh, done done well by me. So, oh, so I have, have done you, well uh, by them. And so has the horror genre been something you've been interested personally for your career? Oh, yeah. So when I grew up, I I mean, I used to, you know, sit in front of the TV and watch, you know, the Twilight Zone, the Outer Limits, uh, George Romero's 1967 Night of the Living Dead. And then his 1978, uh, you know, like uh, Dawn of the Dead and uh, Phantasm by Don Coscarelli. All that stuff is what I grew up on as a kid. And. I loved it so much that I knew that I wanted to be an actor and get into horror movies. It just took me till I was like 30 years old. Uh, I started acting when I was 21. It took me till I was about 30 to uh, start getting into doing some stuff with makeup. And so uh, what roles that you've played have, have you found most fulfilling in uh, to you? I mean, that just depends. I I love, you know, my first movie I ever did was called Bicentennial Man with Robin Williams. And, uh, you know, I got to sit there and film with Robin Williams, which was pretty incredible. Um, You know, I love um, I got to work on the TV show Mom with Alice and Janney and them. I've, you know, I've done over 100 TV shows and films. But, you know, of course, I love doing the horror. I love being able to dress up and not dress up like in a dress, but dress up in a you know, an outfit like Leatherface. Uh, not that I'm opposed to wearing a dress if the role calls for it. Um, but uh, I love to put the makeup on, the prosthetics, and I love to uh, get out there and scare people. So definitely the horror and science fiction stuff is great. So you, you said you, you started around, you're, you're around 20 years old, 
And then you started to see the roles that you wanted to get when you were about 30. So that was, it's a good 10 year period. Um, what, oh, yeah. what do you, what would you say is, is kind of a, a normal day to day like in, in an actor's life such as yourself? Well, back then, of course, when you first start acting, you got to have a night job, right? So I worked all the bars, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of actors in LA and around, you know, whether they're Atlanta or New Orleans, I mean, you got to have a, a, a night job because your days back in the day, because now you, you would audition during the days once you get an agent. So your days had to be free for you to go out and audition. And then you somehow you got to pay the bills because you can go and audition for 25 things and hopefully you book one, you know, so that's a, that's a, that's a long process. You know, it's either feast or famine. Then you can book Mm -hmm. stuff. It always happens. You book a TV show and then all of a sudden your agent says, Hey, at lunch, can you get away? Because they want to see you for something else. And you're like, I can't get away. I'm, I'm, I'm on, you know, I'm working, but, um, yeah, well, sometimes it's you don't have a choice if you're working on a on a you know hundred million dollar movie in L.A. or you're working at Warner Brothers or Fox at the studios. It's you can ask the the first AD or if you know the director, you can say, "Hey, listen, at lunchtime, can I get away to go to this other audition?" Usually, it's you can't do that, and I, I you don't try to rock the boat. You just you're lucky and you feel good when you get uh, any kind of acting gig and. You know, uh, like I said, for the first 10 years of my acting, I would get a little bit of work here and there playing a bad guy, a biker or a redneck or a killer and stuff. And then I'll tell you what changed for me is I got I started doing some pro wrestling at 30 years old and being able to work a, a crowd of, a you know, 30 people in a in a, you know, a, a little mom and pop you know, backyard deal and then uh, go all of a sudden work a thousand people in a big auditorium. You learn to work a crowd. So once I learned how to do that, my auditioning going into an, a room where there might be a director and a casting director and a couple people it seemed to be a lot simpler. So working with a live crowd and then you go into uh, from the pro wrestling and going into an, a room with five people. I, I seem to have mastered that. So, but you know, with COVID, a lot of things change, and now we don't. Uh, you know, we don't go into audition for rooms. We do a self tape. You set the camera up. You you do your stuff, and you send it into the casting director, which I think hurts. It hurts me because I'd rather be you know in there conversating with everybody, and because you get one chance then, right? Well, if you're in the mm-hmm. audition with physical people there, they can say, "Hey, Brett." That's not how we want it. Can you change it? When you're sending in your self tape, you get one shot at it. You hope, you hope they like it. There's just so much rejection in in your field, uh, especially now with COVID. Right? You can only send in one tape, <laughs> and you yeah. can't control if that if you tur- if if you tur- can turn that into a a victory or failure or not. Just because Absolutely. it all depends on how well you did. Um, how do you, how do you deal with that? How do you move forward from, from rejection? Well, that's a good question. Acting is rejection, right? So you got to focus on other stuff. So as an entertainer, because I I am an actor, but I'm an entertainer, right? So I've done radio shows. I've, I I do hosting. I've hosted a, a couple TV shows, a drag racing show on speed channel. I, the monster garage doing the voiceovers. I've been the voice of a a lawnmower company in Batesville, Arkansas for 20 years called bad boy mowers. So you got to do everything right. I mean, I've even, 
I mean, I'm 54 years old. I've even gone and filled in at the couple of the bars I used to work just to someone, you know, guys get an acting gig and they say, can you please come cover me at the door? And I'm like, ah, I'm too old to be working a door, but you do everything, right? So I learned a long time ago, if someone says, hey, can you do this? You just say, yes, I'll try it. So if you're going to be an actor, get ready to, there is a, you know, you will be, uh, rejection is, is, is the big deal. So you go in for a hundred, you know, like I said, if you can go in for 25, 30 things over a month and you book one of them, it's, it's almost, uh, that's a victory. So, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, film is coming back big time all over the United States and LA is no different. So there's a lot more auditions now, but with COVID, you also got a lot of people that never wanted to be actors that decided, Hey, I'm going to go get some headshots and I'm going to get an agent. And so the market is flooded. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's a lot of competition um, is what I'm saying. Right. It, it seems like there's a lot of people out there that, uh, due to COVID, um, decided to to follow their dreams, you know, uh, sure. COVID kind of helped people think, what am I doing with my life? And am I, am I enjoying my life? And, and I've seen a lot of artists and uh, people in other fields just kind of go out and give it a shot. Yeah. Well, I mean, th th I mean, that's the whole thing too, right? Look at it. If you're, if, if you're going to be in this entertainment world, uh, learn everything, right? Learn how to do a, a interview with somebody. I'm, I, I go do, I MC a lot. So I go to different events, bike events, truck. I got a big monster truck show coming up that I go and I MC on the mic with, you know, where did I learn that? I learned that and how doing pro wrestling, I learned how to talk to a crowd of a thousand people. So, you know, five, 6,000 more people is not a big deal. You learn mm -hmm. to do everything, whether it's radio interviews, whether it's, you know, doing the weather on the news, which I've done before. It's all it, it, it all works together. It's all a, a work in progress and it helps you as an entertainer or as an actor. Is there um, is there one skill that you would say is central to doing what you do? Absolutely. And it's talking. It's not being afraid to say whatever. And, you know, I mean, I may not know about a subject, right? So I may not know about something, but, you know, as an actor, I can, I can pretend I do, or I can, I can talk about anything. I'll, I'll figure it out. I mean, if you know how to talk, it doesn't matter if you uh, don't, if you're not comfortable talking and I'm only comfortable in that scene, I'm going to memorize my dialogue. But when a director or a casting director says, Hey, can you do it this way? Sometimes people are thrown off and that's, that makes the difference, you know, that that's that's the difference between you getting a job and you getting kicked out of that room and they go to the next guy because they want to see that you can improv. So if you're good at improv and that's one of the things if someone wants to be an actor, that's a great class to learn with. Take an improv class because stuff comes at you fast. Right. Director may say, no, do it this way. And if you are stuck in your head with the way you practice the doll for the two weeks and learned your lines and he throws that monkey wrench in there and you don't change it, then they'll get someone else to do it. So being able to talk about anything and not being afraid to talk to public, not being able afraid to do an interview. I mean, I listen, I, 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 I'll talk in the, I go over stuff. I talk to myself all the time going over lines and stuff. And my wife looks at me like she's figured it out now after 10 years that I'm, I'm just working on a promo or something in my head. So, so I, 
I've dabbled a little bit in this area. I, I haven't done much. I've just done a few auditions before. And I, when I'm practicing, I just feel so weird. You, do you know what I mean? Sure. Like when, but- you, when you're talking to yourself in the mirror, it, did it take you a while to get over that? Is that like a normal thing to feel? Is that kind of like awkwardness when you're just saying well, your lines down in your basement? No, nah, uh, um, no, not at all. But but listen, I also, like I said, I, I've come from the world of professional wrestling. I, I loved professional wrestling. So you're cutting promos all the time. I, I'm going to be driving to a match that, you know, it's an hour and a half away and I got to come up with a promo that I'm going to do to the crowd to talk about my opponent, you know, to get the crowd to boo me or cheer me. So acting is no different. I mean, you got to learn your lines and you got to learn your lines and be able to prepare to do it a couple different ways. And you also got to be, you can't be shy about it because if you're shy about it in your house, you're going to be shy about it in front of the, when a, a casting director or someone is in a bad mood in that room and they may be a little angry and you got to be able to, you know, just come in there, keep your mouth shut. And I'll give you an example. I went in, I used to audition. I never got a gig on Seinfeld, but I used to audition for it a lot. So when you get a call back, so we go in and initially you go and you read for the casting director and they say, great, do it just that way. We'll see if we can get you back in next week for the callback. The callback is when you go back in, the casting director's there, maybe some of the writers. So when you went in for Seinfeld, there's a table of 25 people sitting there and they're all talking and BSing and Seinfeld's at the end of that table. Right. So there's 25 people in there and it's so intimidating. Then all of a sudden they're still BSing. You just keep your mouth shut for five minutes. And then he goes, okay, are you ready? And you're like, uh, yeah, let's go. So now you're reading, doing your stuff in front of 25 people staring at you. You know, 15 of those people are going to be the writers. Then there's Jerry Seinfeld, then the casting directors there. So if you are not comfortable in your own shoes, uh, you're going to screw up that audition. And never be, might never be invited back, which is terrible. Hmm. And so, um, I mean, what happens when that does go down? I mean, that's that's a that's a pretty rough thing to deal with. I I would imagine Christian Christian Slater's mom was mm-hmm. a big uh, you, you know Christian Slater the actor. His mom was a big casting mm-hmm. director. Mary Jo Slater, huge casting director. And Christian used to come to a bar called Jones Hollywood that I worked the door at. And he knew I was an actor. And he said, well, man, if you ever run into my mom, you tell her I said hello. Like an idiot, I go in for an audition. And she just yelled at somebody before me. And then she's like, next. And I moved out of the chair, go in. And I sit there and she goes, hey, how are you? Who are you? I said, Brett Wagner. What are you reading for? I said, I'm reading for the role of this football player. I said, by the way, your son told me, and she cut me off and said, are you going to sit there and tell me that my son told you to tell me hello? She's like, are you? And she yelled at me. She's like, that's not how you start off the audition, sir. And then I was, I was frazzled. I was done. So it didn't matter what I prepared. I just got yelled at and chastised by one of the biggest casting directors in Hollywood. And I never got, she never brought me in for another 10 years. So. Yeah, so sometimes it's just best to keep your mouth shut, just do your do what you've prepared. But then Hollywood is also about taking chances, right? So mm-hmm. that just you have to you have to learn how to read a room. 
I will cut right. jokes in auditions. I'll say hello to people in auditions. I'll say, hey, it's good to see you. Been a long time. Thanks for bringing me in. But you got to know how to read the room. If you don't know how to do that, then just keep your mouth shut, do your audition, and hope you did well enough. Right. Well, um, for those that are listening, Brett's going to be in town uh, for a Fear Factory opening. It's opening this weekend, right? I, I believe they opened up uh, this weekend that just passed. This is going to be the second weekend. I'm so excited to be there, uh, September 16th and 17th. Um, you know, I hear this is, uh, from what I've read and what I've looked at, this is uh, a top 10 haunt, as we call it, in the in the United States. And oh my God, six buildings, uh, two underground passages. I don't know what an underground, underground passage is, but even me, it scares me. So uh, I'm excited. I know they got over 100 haunt actors, you know, that are there to scare people. And um, that's pretty big. I mean, this thing, I guess, is six stories as well. I mean, you know, I've if you think of a haunted house, sometimes you think of like a, a one story, a place and they'll have a graveyard, but six buildings, six stories, underground passages, hundred actors it there is, scaring folks. That's huge. It is insane how big and how well done it is. Uh, have Have you ever been to it? Never been to it. I've, yeah. I've always heard about it. So, you know, I look around obviously with the, I, I do a lot of conventions and I do a few haunts during the year. Obviously, October, September and October are big for all the different haunts and haunted houses around the United States. So uh, I met these I met the guys that run it up in Boise, Idaho at a different convention. And somehow I said, hey, man, I convinced them to bring me up. And I, you know, it's it's hey, listen, Leatherface is coming to Salt Lake City, Utah to Fear Factory. So we're going to be doing, you know, signing pictures. Uh, we're going to be in full costume, Leatherface costume from the 2003 movie that I was in. So it's going to be a big deal this weekend coming up. I'm I'm, I'm pretty excited. So, well, I it's going to be really cool having you there, and I, I think you'll be a really big attraction to to get people there. I mean, it's already something that people go to all the time. It is always packed. I'm sure they are just going to be excited to see. Leatherface in person. Uh, I'm excited. Are you going to come down on the weekend? Yeah. Um, yeah. I talked with uh, uh, the folks down there and I'm going to be coming by and just saying hi and uh, seeing a few things, seeing what new things they do. It's, it's so cool because they do something new like all the time. It's it's fun to go and see like what what have they added or what did they change, you know? And so it, it'll be good to just come down and say hi to you and, and also yeah. just check out the, the new stuff at the attraction. You know, 11 years, this is their 11th year. So they've done something right. I mean, um, you know, haunts come and go Their uh, haunted attractions come and go and to make 11 years is a big deal. So I'm pretty excited. Everything I've seen and, and heard about, you know, um, I'm pretty pumped. And I, you know, I'll also be going in and doing a little scaring myself with uh, the whole Leatherface outfit. And I'm going to sneak in there on Friday night, the 16th. And um, we will uh, do a little scaring on my own. And But we'll be signing autographs each night. I believe we're going 8 to 11 both nights, uh, the 16th and the 17th. So make sure you, you get your tickets, get there early, come say hello, take a look at uh, the table and all the stuff we are going to have there. And be ready to be scared. <laughs> and that's what it's about, right? It's about just having fun and getting scared and and uh, just having that kind of fun, you know? We're going to go to a quick break here. And then I just have a few more questions for you afterwards. Um, sure. This is this has been The Path of Art with Brett Wagner. 
Leatherface. We'll be right back. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Path of Art. I'm Ryan Meeks. I'm here with Brett Wagner. He, he was Leatherface. Uh, if you're into the horror genre, you would know exactly who that is. And he's going to be down at uh, Fear Factory uh, this weekend. Uh, and so we're, we, we talked about, you know, you know who he is and, and what he's doing now. And, and I kind of want to get into where you came from and maybe lessons that you've learned, Brett. So what got you, what got you interested in acting like in the first place? I mean, it's, it's simple, right? Like I, like I said before, I, I, I used to sit down and watch, you know, my parents would plop me in front of the TV and twilight zone was one of my favorite TV shows, the outer limits. Uh, as I got a little bit older, I'd watch uh, the night gallery, Rod Serling's night gallery. So, so did you live in L.A. when you were young? Yeah, I'm, I'm born and raised in San Fernando Valley, Northridge, California. So I'm in so Los were, Angeles. Were you also around a lot of acting and did that have in, any any role in your interest in it? No, I wasn't around any acting. I mean, I started working the bars as a bouncer in security probably at, you know, 18 years old. So I would run into some actors, but I, I knew... I knew well before that I knew as a kid that I wanted to get into acting and um, that was just something I was going to do. My dad was a stockbroker. My mom worked at a, at a, at a school that I went to, which was terrible because whenever I got in trouble, I'd have to walk past her, her desk when I'd go to see the principal. But um, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, I definitely wasn't going to be a stockbroker. Um, right. You know, at the time with my size, it was easy to, uh, go work a bar and, you know, make your $75 cash a night. And I thought I was rich. And then, you know, soon, soon, slowly realized when I hit about 20 that I had to get into, I had to do start thinking about something. And I, I got into an acting class, I think when I was 20 or 21 and, you know, and just never looked back. And I mean, it wasn't, it didn't happen overnight. Obviously I didn't start really making money until I was about 30 being an actor. And then, I got to be the voice of monster. I I got into pro wrestling, which led to me doing a documentary called wrestling school for discovery channel. And that producer, his name's Tom beers, T H O M. He's the executive. He created ice road truckers, deadliest catch, you know, uh, a a slew of huge TV shows and hits. Um, And he came up to me and said, Hey, would you do 
your wrestling voice, your big swag voice. That's my alter ego, the big swag for this show I'm doing called Monster Garage with this bike builder, Jesse James. And I said, yeah, let's let's do it. And that led that opened many, many, many doors for me because uh, here I am. I'm on TV seven days a week as the voice of a, a very popular TV show. And once in a while I would get on and host it, you know, when Jesse had his appendix burst or they needed some funny gag. And uh, between that and the wrestling, I, I was starting to get a little bit known. And then eventually I figured I could, I was a full-time actor then or entertainer and I quit uh, working the bars, but I've, I've gone back and forth and worked the bars, you know, just because when there's no acting work and we go on strike, you got to do something. So, but the voiceover mm -hmm. yeah, definitely yeah. helped me. The show, the show Monster Garage helped me, which got me into hosting some other gigs as a, just the host. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. Like I said, if you, if you can't talk and BS to a camera, then all those opportunities never would have opened up. And, but Monster Garage and being the voice of it definitely uh, kickstarted uh, me getting a lot more work. So. Was there a, ever a moment in your career? Because, I mean, a lot of times, you know, we kind of feel, I don't know, I felt imposter syndrome before when I'm doing something and I'm just like, I'm doing this thing that I feel that's bigger than me, you know? Um, but at a certain point, you kind of get over that. Do you remember when that happened to you? Um, or or do you still feel imposter syndrome sometimes? Um. I think if you're not prepared for whatever the role is, sometimes I will. Uh, I remember the first time I went in, I did an interview for a radio show. I did an interview. I went in, they interviewed me as the big swag from Monster Garage, and we're talking about pro wrestling. And the the GM of the station was called Comedy World Network. And they came and it was strictly on the internet until I got there, <clears throat> but they were doing all these big time comedians were on the show, had their own, their own show on this network. <clears throat> and he said, Hey, uh, I listened to your interview and that we'd love to, can you do a wrestling show? And I said, can I do a radio wrestling show? And I said, sure. And then all of a sudden I was like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? I, I don't know how to do radio. I don't, <clears throat> I don't. Do I know enough about pro wrestling to do this? I mean, I'm in the business, but do I know enough about it? But I, I assembled a few people together. We had a great uh, a guy that got me in there to do the one interview with these uh, other comedians, and I wasn't a comedian, so to speak. But we started off. We called the Wrestling 101. I had, uh, I mean, guys that used to answer my phone. John Cena used to answer my phone when the people would call in, and John Cena, you know, the WWE champion like eight times and now he's a huge movie star on the peacemaker by the way which is the number one show in in the world mm -hmm. with robert patrick a, a good friend of mine and um samoa joe who's a big wrestler uh, was on that show so we did it for two years and yeah i was a little nervous um i would get nervous when we had guests on that i didn't know anything about so the questions what would you ask and I still get nervous time to time when I do something, you know, but if you don't have the nerves, it's, but if you can talk, you can be BS your way out of anything. So I may not, like I said, I, I may get a little nervous, but I will BS my way through it. And, but it helps to be prepared. Obviously that was the first time I really ever experienced something. I mean, I've been scared on a movie set before when I'm working with a big actor, Robin Williams or, 
you know, I've worked with Scott Glenn. I've worked with some pretty big famous people and you're sometimes you're in awe, but you snap out of it real quick. And, you know, if you're lucky enough to get on a TV show and you're in the studios, I, I, I tend to, you know, they want you to stay in your dressing room and they want to know where you are. So when it's your time, you come out, but I make sure I go talk to the second AD or the first AD. And I, I say, look, and I'm going to go sit over there in the corner and I watch. So I love to watch other actors work. And if you're ever lucky enough to do that, just stay out of the way, you know, grab yourself a chair in the corner and watch these people work. It's, it's a wonderful thing. And, um, I did a, an episode of two and a half men with Charlie Sheen when he was on it. And I got to watch these guys work and Charlie Sheen and the rest of that cast, very small cast. They have like five people, but these guys would come in and just, just nail it. It was, it was so awesome to watch them work and then be able to get to work with them as, you know, it's just the icing on the cake. What would you say is the most important thing that someone just starting out in acting should focus on? I, I would think it, I, I got to be honest with you. I think improv, I mean, if you're not in an improv class, I mean, look at people still, I mean, Robert Patrick, who's a very famous actor, T-1000, you know, Terminator 2, he was the liquid cop. He's on Peacemaker. Mm -hmm. He's in hundreds of movies. And I think he still has a, in fact, I know he does, he has, still has a, a, a coach that if he gets a big role, he goes and studies, you know, you got to study. So, uh, you know, people think, well, once you get to that point, um, you don't need to study anymore. And it, it's, it's a craft. It's like anything. It's like going to the gym. Like when I'm done with you, I got to go to the gym. I got to lose weight. It's consistency. So if you don't work that, if you're working every week on a TV a show and a sitcom, that's great. You're, you're getting that work in. But if you don't, if you're like every other actor, you know, 99% of the actors, we don't get to do that. So, you know, being in a class, being in an improv class is going to help you working with other actors. So when the time comes, you know, and you do get a good acting gig and you're sitting across from Al Pacino, you're not really, you're not freaked out. You're going to be freaked out, but you're not going to be, you're going to be, pre you're, you're prepared, you know? You'll be able to so, handle it a lot better. You'll be able to handle it a lot better. And then afterwards you say, Al, can we get a picture together? You know? Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so uh, some kind of class, that's the best thing to do. And just keep, if you're doing theater, that's great. You know, a good friend of mine, I started when I started acting, I used to work a bar called Smalls. It was one of the very famous bars in Hollywood, little dive bar. I worked the door and a guy named Mark Ruffalo was the bartender. And Mark, who's obviously very famous and a wonderful actor, he, he's the Hulk and uh, amongst other things and uh, all the movies he's done. He was doing he was doing plays and I never got into the plays. I said, no, I'm an actor who wants to do plays. Well, if you look at all the people that are still, or that are making the big money today and that are still working, theater was one of their big things. So if, even if you're in theater, even if it's a college play, if you, if you're in the local theater, you're still working, you're working and you're consistently, you know, working your craft, what you need to do. So, Brett, what's next for you? I mean, you're coming to Utah, but uh, and and of course, there's probably NDAs on stuff that you're working on. So, definitely don't talk no, about no, that. No. <laughs> is there, but is there anything that you can talk about that that you want to share yeah. that you, you sure. want people to know that you're on? Yeah, I'm doing a. We're doing a. I'm doing a couple independent movies. A movie called The Grind, which is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan film. I'm also doing nice. a movie called The Evil Evil Three. 
in October in Chicago with a, a really good up and coming director, CJ Vecchio, uh, which is another kind of it's the evil three. It's Leatherface, Michael Myers and Jason all in the same movie. Oh, so, wow. it, yes, yes. And they all escape on the same night. So <laughs> that's going to be an interesting movie. And then I have a movie, you know, I audition. Right. So. I, I try to stay busy. So I, I do make appearances all over still, you know, whether it's bike rallies, monster truck gigs or, and that all comes from being, have done everything from the monster garage to hosting a drag racing show. So I can go find other gigs to pay the bills. And of course my wife, you know, my wife does payroll for Warner brothers. So she's the one with the steady gig. So I, I married smart. So if you're an actor and you can marry smart, do it. Um, but yeah, uh, I got a movie called El Tonto that hopefully they're going to release this year. We filmed it two years ago with Charlie Day, Ray Liotta, Kate Beckinsale. I get, I played John Malkovich's limo driver and bodyguard. That's, you know, I used, I sat there for three days watching John Malkovich work on the set, which is just, it blows your mind. Um, so hopefully El Tonto will get released cause that'd be a big deal for me. You know, that's a, that's a huge cast and to just even have a little part in it. It's always a, a nice thing, but yeah, as an actor entertainer, you just keep moving along and hopefully you get, you get more acting gigs and you can pay your bills. All right. Well, thank you so much for all the information, all the advice. Uh, for those of you listening, I hope that this was helpful for you, for your acting journey, for whatever you're going on. And uh, Brett will again be down at Fear Factory in Salt Lake this weekend. this weekend. Make sure you go see him. And thank you so much for coming on the show, Brett. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. This is The Path of Art. Thank you for listening to The Path of Art. If you or someone you know is creative and would like to tell your story, reach out to me at rmeeks at ksl.com. I might feature you on the show. If you liked our conversation, please make sure you follow the show and give us a five-star rating and review. It really does help people to discover the show. Also, make sure you follow The Path of Art podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.